Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everybody doing this bright and sunny morning? Well, I don't know, guys. Is it sunny where you're at? If it isn't, I hope this podcast episode will make you guys feel better. So today, I'm going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 10. 10, my God, we are at the halfway point for Season 2. But like I said, this month of April and the first two weeks of May, I'm doing two episodes a week. That way, in June, we can get to Season 3. And we can meet Alfonso, played by Alfonso, is it Ribio? Ribiera? I gotta get that right, guys. I gotta get that right. Especially when season three arrives. I know we all know him as Carlton, but before he was Carlton, he was Alfonso on Silver Spoons. Ricky Schroeder's, or later to be known as Rick Schroeder, his best friend. Replacing Derek, which Derek really was not, I would not consider him a best friend. So, season two, episode ten, entitled Rick the Greek. Hey, do you know what that reminds me of? The Simpsons episode, Lisa the Greek, where she and Homer, he gets her into watching football games. She starts making picks in the winning teams. He starts placing bets with Mo the bartender. He's raking in the dough. Until Lisa finds out that he's just kind of using her, taking advantage of her skill. And he says, I'm not having any more of this. But this episode's a little different. This is, of course, the first episode in 1984. Rick writes a computer program because he is a tech genius. He writes a computer program to predict football scores, but making bets along with his friends... Excuse me, making bets along with his friends. But when he ends up indebted to a bookie, probably because he starts losing some of these bets, he steals a rare coin from his father's collection. My guess is they're going to have to get that coin back before Edward knows about it, or maybe Edward's going to have some coin collector come and like value the coins. This episode's got a 7.9 out of 10 rating on IMDb, based on 22 ratings. We get Freddy and we get Derek and somebody named Trout. person does not have a picture here. He's played by Phil Rubenstein. Let's see if Phil has done anything that I would recognize him from so we can get a face to match the name. Let me looky look here. The guy from what I'm looking at his resume really seems like a one bit at he's like what they call a character actor. He's like a one and done I'm in an episode, maybe two tops of a sitcom or something. Oh Oh Okay, Golden Girls. Let's see, let's see. Um, I've seen this episode. He plays an exterminator. Let's see. If he's who I think he might be. I met Customer at Garage Sale in Elf. And the, ga- the Gambler. Wow, this guy likes to appear in episodes about uh, gambling and stuff like that. <laughs> 
Let's see. Highway to Heaven. Phil slash the dealer and who's the... This guy's got a type. Oh, he is definitely typecast. Hey, look. It's uh, Jonathan Brandis in a movie called Home Free. Psychopath second grader starts... Oh, boy. He plays one of those... Uh, uh, Jonathan Brandis looks like he's playing one of these uh, Macaulay Culkin good son type characters. Is that is that his M.O. in that movie? Uh, let's see. This guy was in Webster. Mama's fa- I'm, I'm trying to like put a face to this guy. And I might have it, but I'm not. The name even sounds partially familiar. Phil Rubinson. I'm going to look his picture up. There's got to be a picture of this guy. So I looked his picture up. He looks maybe so. Well, wait, wait till I see him. Um, also, R.I.P. Phil Rubenstein. He passed away in 92. Aw. Let's see. He was only 51. That is, that's young. That is young. Director Jack Shea, writers David W. Ducklin, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Neil Leibowitz. The story was written by. We have Ben Starr, the creator, Martin Cohen, Howard Leeds, also the creator. So this episode was written by... Oh, oh my goodness! Did he write for Punky Brewster? Let me see. Ten episodes! Holy moo! Wow, see, he wrote four from season one. Wrote three from season two, two from season three, and one. Oh, he wrote Wedding Bells for Brandon? Neil Leibowitz did? Wow. He wrote five episodes for Silver Spoons. So in season one, he wrote A Little Magic, Popcorn, Rick the Greek, and he writes Changes. What's this one about? Oh, the tomboy pitcher... For Ricky, apparently also plays baseball. At least we get a reference to that. Instead of just, a, oh, remember when you played football? Like, no. I, I don't. You never showed us. You never gave us any, any indication as this kid is into sports in any way. But maybe they're trying to round him out and make him not so much, like, into electronics. And, and like, oh, he also does this for, you know, other kids. So other kids that play sports can relate to that in some sense. And he wrote Growing Pains Part 1, which is uh, the third episode in Season 3, where Edward sets up a curfew that Ricky, of course, ignores. Because why wouldn't he? He's a teenager. He's never had real boundaries set for him like a curfew. But then again, maybe he's never really needed a curfew. I'm sure that Edward set up something for him. I mean, he's not just going to say, sure, son, you can stay out all hours. I don't care. So yeah, January 7th, 1984 is when this aired. The first episode of 84. Now... I did see Dumbo over the weekend, and I decided I want to do a separate review. I cannot talk. Review for that, um, that I'm going to upload on its own, as its own little thing, because there will be a spoiler alert, so that way, if you guys don't want to be spoiled, go see the movie and then come back and listen to it. But I didn't want to include it in this, because that way it's its own little thing. I really got, I loved the movie so much. It was so good. There were some parts that I was like, Meh, which I'll get to in my review. I was writing it as like an email. I'm like, no, this is going longer than I thought it would. I'll just put it into Microsoft Word and then I'll continue on it throughout the week. But uh, that way it gives you guys a little something extra, so. But other than that, I mean, between Sunday and now today's Tuesday, there's not really a whole lot has really been going on just 
working on podcast stuff, reading my, my library book, Amina's Voice, and also Halfway Normal. Both are really great middle grade reads, which I will um, put them up on the Twitter and also the Instagram for you and the Facebook page for you guys to see. Um, if you guys are new, listening to the podcast for the first time, you're just jumping into this episode. We do, I, we, who's the we? Me and Quinn, we're we, right girl? Yeah, she's sleeping. Um, (laughs) um, all of season one of Silver Spoons is available for you guys to listen to. That way you can jump on board in the beginning, get all caught up, come back, you know, and get through season two. So that way you're all caught up to this one. If you guys want to follow along with the podcast, that way you know what episodes are coming out. You can go to Facebook. Together we're going to find our way. An unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Also, if you enjoy Punky Brewster, I have all four seasons that I've reviewed of the show that are all available. All of these are available. They're available on iTunes under the Punky Brewster banner, Punky Power. That's where you're going to find the Silver Spoons podcast. Also, you can go to Instagram. You can follow along at Silver Spoons Podcast or Punky Power PB Podcast. Or on Facebook at Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster Podcast. If you would like to email the podcast, you can do so at either PunkyPowerPBPodcast at gmail.com or SilverSpoonsPodcast at gmail.com. Also, I'd like to recommend every once in a while, a podcast that I'm currently listening to, one of which, if you love Little House on the Prairie, if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually go and watch all nine seasons of Little House on the Prairie. But there is also an amazing podcast called The Walnut Grove Cast. Guys, they are not sponsoring me at all. So, And neither is Amazon Prime. I have no sponsors, which it's not a big deal. I mean... I kind of like doing my own thing, you know? I don't like the idea of... You know, I want my complete creative control. But anyway, Walnut Grove cast. It's so fun. They play clips. They do um, historical facts. Inaccurate historical facts of the show. Stuff like that. And especially if you've read the books. They kind of go into like, oh, in the book, like this is different from... It's just... It's fun. And I will post um, a picture of that... On the uh, Instagram and Twitter. So you guys can find it too. So, Alright. Let's dive into this episode. I want to see how Ricky is going to get himself out of this. Because he seems to get himself into messes once in a while. And uh, Daddy Edward has to come and not just bail him. Well, he doesn't always technically bail out his son. He's like, I might help you. But in the end, you got to figure out how to get out of this mess yourself because that is the only way you are going to learn let's quickly get into a shout out for the podcast listeners i almost forgot about that no okay we have lancaster pennsylvania cottage grove santa Ana, california los angeles california sacramento california wildwood florida Brazil, Baltimore, Maryland, St. Paul, Minnesota, Farmington, Missouri, Sarasota, Florida, Germantown, Tennessee, and Swanee, Georgia. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Thank you all for listening.
and let's get on with the show. Mrs. Stratton? Yeah. Are you Edward Stratton III? That's me. Pleased to meet you. Hi. I'm your son. Here we are, face to face, a couple of silver spoons, hoping to find we're two of a kind. Make it a go. the intro the theme song and we are in the library rick ricky and edward are sitting at his desk they have a bunch of coins that are protected in their uh felt holders you know you know people that collect coins they have specific nice cushiony felt lining for the coins to be protected from being damaged. So, he and Ricky, we got a large magnifying glass on that desk, too. And they're kind of going through the coins, seeing what their worth is. And Ricky mentions there is a buffalo nickel. So, Ricky is holding a buffalo, a buffalo nickel that was made in 1937. Edward has a book which lists each coin and its value and Edward says that coin as long as it's in perfect condition should be worth about 35 cents and I notice that Edward is dressed up he's wearing a tie a suit jacket so clearly it looks like he is just killing a little bit of time before he has to go somewhere Oh, I'm sorry. It was 30 cents, not 35. Now we have Kate coming into the library. She's all dressed up in this really nice blue dress. Almost, I think, maybe royal blue? But uh, she is there to inform him that we have a dinner reservation. We don't want to be late. So it looks like he and Ricky just broke out the coins like, hey, we got some time to kill. Let's check out the coins, their condition, and match it against, you know, what the book says of their value. Hey, look, a buffalo nickel. Really? What's the date? 1937D. Rick, depending on its condition, that little baby is worth 30 cents. <laughs> <laughs> Edward, I hate to keep interrupting, but we're supposed to be at Bernard's by the bay. You know how temperamental Bernard is. If you're ten minutes late, he seats you in the bay. <laughs> okay, now, Rick, I gotta quit now. All right. I'll see you later. All right. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> this nickel's no good. Why not? Well, the buffalo's only got three legs. <laughs> What's the matter, Dad? It's a three-legged buffalo! Kate, it's a three-legged buffalo! <laughs> well, maybe they're serving his other leg at Bernard's by the bay. Rick, this nickel is worth a hundred and fifty Wow! <laughs> Look what it says here. Beware of removed leg. 
Get some greedy people scraping their legs off a four-legged buffalo nickel. Those crumb bones. <laughs> Son, this one's a real McCoy. Edward. Just a sec, hon. Say, you look absolutely ravishing. <laughs> Rick, what would you say is the condition of that nickel? It could be a G, good. Uh-huh. Of course, then again, it could go all the way up to EF, extra fine. Well, I'm T.O., Ticked off. <laughs> oh, when Kate comes in, this clearly is not the first time she's had to come in there and remind Edward of their dinner date at Bernard's. She's like, I hate to keep interrupting, but we're due at Bernard's. And if we don't, if we're ten minutes late, he's going to seat us in the bay. As in, he will most likely give away our table. So clearly, Edward and Rick have been at this for quite a while. It's one of those hobbies that you get into and you just lose complete all track of time. So, looks like Ricky's just going to watch himself because he's 13. And, well, do 13-year-olds really? Nowadays, a 13-year-old, I'm more than likely would probably still... ah, I wouldn't even call it a babysitter. Just maybe someone to hang out, you know, and make sure nothing bad... I, I don't know what the rules are anymore. I mean, they've definitely changed. I mean, I was home by myself when I was, like, 11 on up. Actually, now that I think about it, when I was 9, I had to get myself up and get ready to go to school. Because Nicole was in... She in high school by that time? So she or her boss already would have came and went. Dad had to be down to the factory at like, he had to be punched in at 6 a.m. So I had to get myself up and then of course just walk right across the street and stay with um, uh, Bob and Carol, the neighbors, and they like usually let me like bring a video videotape to watch while, you know, I hung out and waited for the bus. And I remember one particular, it was winter, and here I am trying to get my snowsuit on, I'm trying to pull it out, like, oh my gosh, I'm running late, I'm gonna miss the bus. As I'm running outside, trying to get my snowsuit on, trying to, like, running and trying to get my boots on, and the bus just, sorry, I'm not gonna wait for you, bye. Like, eh. So then I probably had to call my grandma, like, grandma, I missed the bus, because my grandma lived, like, a mile away up the road. <laughs> So as soon as Edward takes, puts his arm through Kate's and they head towards the library door, Ricky's like, uh, Dad, you need to look at this buffalo nickel. Ricky's like, well, the nickel's no good because it's missing a leg, so it's a three-legged buffalo. And immediately, Edward is a three-legged buffalo. Ricky, do you know what this means? This means this is tripled in value. And he even gets out the magnifying, uh, magnifying glass and we get this enlarged image of his eyeball, of course, gets a laugh from the audience. And Ricky goes to the book because it turns out that that n nickel is with the three-headed buffalo. 
three-legged buffalo is worth $150. This is $1984. $150 could go a lot farther. It's probably considered worth a lot more than it would be in 2019. But Ricky goes to the book. He's like, um, actually, Dad, we may have an issue here. As it says, you need to really look at the nickel because there have been people that have been known to scam coin dealers by scratching off the leg to make it look like a three-legged buffalo nickel. And then, of course, Ricky's like, ah, those crumb bums. And it made me think, crumb bums, where have I heard that? Lisa Simpson. That's what she called uh, Nelson's cronies when um, um, Date with Destiny or something. Was it Density or Destiny? Yeah, when she has a crush on Nelson Muntz. And... Jimbo, Kearney, and Dolph are all like, like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you dressed up in a sweater vest and a long sleeve shirt now? So you need to be hanging out with us so we can egg Skinner's house. And Lisa's like, hey, he's changed. He doesn't want to hang out with you crumb bums anymore. <laughs> Immediately, as soon as Ricky tells his dad about the nickel, keep in mind, his arm is still looped through Kate's. So when he turns around quickly and swiftly, whoop, Kate is also turned around. And of course, this is great news to Edward about the fact that this, this nickel has already tripled from 30 cents to $150, supposedly. And Kate is over there just like, oh, I just want to get to this dinner. Hun, we can do this later. Why does we gotta... Look at this stuff right now. We can do this when we eat. You can do this when we get back from dinner tonight. Although, think about it. He is going to be so preoccupied with thinking of that nickel. What kind of dinner date is that conversation is that going to be? I can see it. She's probably like, you know what? I could have had dinner here by myself and have better conversation. Because all you want to do is talk about this three-legged buffalo nickel. So Edward sits down in the chair, he's got his magnifying glass, like, eh, Rick, what do you think is the condition of this nickel? And then we move over to the magnifying glass as Ricky looks through it, the audience laughs as you see his eye completely enlarged. So this is kind of funny where Ricky's like, it could be G good, and then Edward's like, or it could be EF, extra fun. And then we cut to Kate, who's like, well, this person is... T.O.'d. Ticked off. And Edward swivels his chair and you still get his enlarged eye in that magnifying glass as he's looking at her like for the first time. Like, oh, that's right. You're still here. And I'm with Kate. Guys, do this later. Do it tomorrow. Do it like invent a whole day to it tomorrow. Take your girlfriend out for a dinner. Don't talk about the nickel. Give her a good time, and you and Rick can salivate or drool over that nickel tomorrow. Salivate, that's what the word I was looking for. All right, we cut to Ricky's room. He's got his own phone, but we've known that since season one. We hear a knock, knock, knock on the window pane. Hmm, who climbed up? There's a tree right outside his window, right? I mean, how else is he get? It's Derek. How else is he getting up there? And Ricky just kind of sits there first, like, do I really want to open this door? I'm just going to sit here for a moment. He's like, I guess I better open it, otherwise he's just going to continue tapping at the glass. 
Oh, he's got a window shade there, too. Okay, that's new. He actually had, well, normally, yeah, he would. He'd have the window latched. What is that little robot's name? Do we get, did we see this in, like, maybe season one, episode two? This little robot thing? I mean, it's not Fooby, because Fooby is, like, twice the size of this thing. I think it's just a prop. Wow, they got some fake flower, uh, fake plants up there, and then also a backdrop that's supposed to look like the night sky, because I see some white dots against a black backdrop that I guess is supposed to simulate stars. So Rick here asks the obvious question as Derek is now crawling into his room, like that girl from The Ring. Um, <laughs> he's like, well, why don't you just go to the door instead of climbing through my window? And Derek's reasoning as well, I'm practicing in case I ever get a job at the National Enquirer. You know, I'm trying to be sleuth. Like, uh. Oh, Derek, buddy, we are gonna... I'm, I say things about Derek, you know, he's a creep, and I, I mean 99% of those things. But we're gonna miss this, aren't we? I, I think we're gonna miss Derek's antics. I mean, they bring someone else, like, in season 4 or 5 that's supposed to be, like, Derek 2.0, which, no, no. No one else can fill Derek Taylor Jason Bateman's shoes. As the original bad boy. You know what he could be? He's the pre-Sean Hunter to Boy Meets World. So I'm going to play this clip. See, I'm practicing in case I become a reporter for the National Enquirer. Help! What was that? Ah, it's just Freddy. The poor guy was climbing up the trellis behind me. Halfway up, he froze. <laughs> poor guy. Maybe I better help him. Hey, Fred! Yeah? There's a killer German shepherd going for your leg. Watch out! <laughs> Extremely effective. <laughs> okay, so apparently he climbed a trellis, not a tree. Alright. I was gonna say, I didn't see no tree out there. This isn't Chicago. It's not outside Punky's bedroom. Um, <laughs> apparently Derek's not the only one who's trying to climb the trellis, but failing. Freddy! I'm like, at first I heard him, what the hell? <laughs> and, and Rick's like, what is that? And Derek's like, oh, it's Freddy. So they're both leaning down. And you hear poor Freddy whimpering because apparently he he froze on halfway up the trellis. So Derek uses the initiative, hey, Freddy, there's a killer German shepherd on its way. Boom. Works like magic. Freddy is up. They're grabbing him, pulling him inside Rick's bedroom. And, of course, Rick's like, Derek, that was mean. But I gotta agree with Derek. Like, yeah, but it was it was effective. Got him up here, didn't it? <laughs> so, the boys here, 
came here for a reason. They have a little tip, a little little nugget of info that they're going to let Rick in on. Let's find out what that little nugget, that little gem of knowledge is. Clearly, if it's coming out of Derek Taylor's mouth, meh, it probably isn't legal. <laughs> of a lifetime. Everybody knows that you're the best computer programmer in the whole school. Hey, right, Freddy? Oh, oh yeah, Rick's the best in the whole town. The whole country. The whole world. The whole galaxy. That's enough, Freddy. <laughs> but you told me to butter him up. <laughs> All right, Derek, what's your scam? I've managed to secure the telephone number of my dad's bookie. Now, if your computer can figure out the right football teams to bet on, then we just call this guy, we place our bets, we sit back and watch the money roll in. <laughs> Isn't that a great idea, Rick? I don't like it. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> What's there not to like? Well, betting, bookies, all that's illegal. Ah, that's the beauty of it. Every dollar we win comes right out of the pocket of organized crime. <laughs> Derek. I never would have thought of that. That's why there's hope for you, Freddy. <laughs> Sorry, Derek. You can count me out. Although, yeah, buddy, it would be a challenge. It's an interesting computer problem. That's it. We're rich. <laughs> Derek, if I go along with this, how much would we bet? Just a few bucks between us. What do you say? Well, maybe just once. All right. I'll call up and get this week's point spreads. So Derek says, hey, Rick, we are here to offer you the opportunity of a lifetime. Now, everyone knows that you are the best computer programmer in the entire school. Isn't that right, Freddy? And Freddy's like, oh yeah, the best in the school, in the city, in the country, in the whole galaxy. And of course, Derek's like, all right, Freddy, calm down. And Freddy's like, but you said to butter him up. And Derek like pulls his hand back like he is going to wallop Freddy against the back of his head. Like, ugh, why do I work with you, Freddy? Derek Taylor works alone. So Derek just happened to procure his father's bookie's number. So yes, I'm not surprised that Derek's father is a gambler. I don't even I can't even remember what this guy exactly does for a living, other than he's a businessman who um cheats on his wife by renting a hotel room that he's been at more than once as we heard in that little science experiment of Derek's. Well, you know how they always say, like father, like son, he's a chip off his dad's old buck. Did they tell Freddy to be a lookout while Derek is giving this information? Because the way that Freddy is like looking over his shoulder, over his other shoulder, up next, like leaning way back to check the door. Like, Rick's dad is out with Kate, guys. You guys probably have at least a couple hours where you can pull this off. No, I'm not for underage gambling. I don't support that at all. Seriously, Freddy, enough! You can see no one's coming. 
Why don't you use your ears and listen? Oh, Derek says if your computer can figure out the right teams to bet on, which... So then Ricky's got to write a program... This is very confusing. I don't even think we... I don't get it. I don't think the writers... They're just throwing something together. Like, just... Just go with it, basically, right? Just throw all realism off the window. Dis what is the what's that word called? Suspend your disbelief? Well, that's what we gotta do here. So Derek's like, yep, just place our bets with the bookie and then watch the money roll in. And of course, Freddie is the yes man. Like, oh, Rick, doesn't that sound like a great idea? And Rick's, Ricky's like, I don't like this. And of course, Freddie's like, I don't either. Like, oh, Fricky, or Freddie. <laughs> Buddy, you gotta get a mind of your own. <laughs> we know you've got one somewhere in that head of yours. With your Coke bottle tinted glasses. So I'm gonna play this clip here of Derek saying, hey, what's not to like about underage illegal gambling? Placing bets, bookies, Money. Derek says the money's taken out of uh, the hands of gamblers or um, the mafia or the mob or something to that effect. Or uh, taken out of the hands of crime lords, I guess. Now, I've managed to secure the telephone number of my dad's bookie. Now, if your computer can figure out the right football teams to bet on, then we just call this guy, we place our bets, we sit back and watch the money roll in. <laughs> Isn't that a great idea, Rick? I don't like it. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> What's there not to like? Well, betting, bookies, all that's illegal. Ah, that's the beauty of it. Every dollar we win comes right out of the pocket of organized crime. Gosh, Derek. I never would have thought of that. That's why there's hope for you, Freddie. <laughs> Sorry, Derek. You can count me out. Although, yeah, buddy? It would be a challenge. It's an interesting computer problem. That's it. We're rich. <laughs> Dirk, if I go along with this, how much would we bet? Just a few bucks between us. What do you say? Well, maybe just once. All right. <laughs> I'm still a little worried about dealing with the bookie. Just relax, Rick. You've been watching too many bad movies. I'm telling you, there's nothing sleazy or sneaky about this whole thing. Hello, Trout. Hey, this is the eel. <laughs> so, of course, in the game of illegalized gambling, you got to come up with your code names. Derek jumps on the phone since he clearly has probably dealt with this guy whose name is Trout. And Derek's code name is Eel. He's going to get the, uh, the spread on... But before that, let's get into this little slap, happy, clap, whatever the heck this is supposed to be between Freddy and Derek. So Derek's so excited that Rick is going to be able to come up with this program that he and Freddie do the high five thing. They do the slap me ten and and then Freddie's got his hands up like he's smacking 
Derek on either side of his face. <laughs> and then Derek, like, slaps his hand away, and Freddy backs away, like, but I'm sorry. Like, what are you doing, Freddy? Is this some secret handshake, high-five, slap face? Um, like one of those guy secret handshakes with the high-fives and the low-fives and the the behind-the-back, between-the-legs, slap the face. What? <sighs> Of course, if Derek sits down like, hey, Rick, there's nothing sleazy, nothing sleazy or sneaky about this as he's popping in the numbers into the phone. And because Rick is worried, Derek's like, oh, well, you know, Rick, you've just been watching too many scary, you know, bad movies about this kind of stuff. None of that is going to happen. This is real life. So is this later this day or is this the next day? Okay, this actually is taking course. Over the, okay, so this is over the course of five weeks, so a month and a week it's taken Ricky to put together this betting program as he's in the library with a computer and Derek and Freddie are listening to Ricky's spiel. Gentlemen, as you know, over the last five weeks we have placed five bets and we have won five bets. <laughs> You haven't seen anything yet. Let me tell you what I planned for this afternoon. The Jets are playing the Colts. <laughs> anyway, my computer says that the Jets will win by at least 17. I mean, guys, we've got a golden opportunity here. It's time to shoot the works. I said we've been 100 bucks on this one. A hundred dollars? We don't have a hundred dollars. We will after we win. I'm telling you, there's no way we can lose. So what do you say? Rick, have you ever heard the expression, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is? I haven't. <laughs> what have you heard of, Freddy? Uh, we do chicken right? <laughs> Never mind. Look, I'm sorry, Rick, but I got a gut feeling about this one. It's poison. You can count me out. Yeah, me too. Damn, well, my computer's got a gut feeling about it too, Derek. Okay, so we've learned that in five weeks they placed five bets. They won five times. So basically they're placing a bet a week. And Ricky is super confident with this next one coming up. However... Derek is not. He's like, I think this is poison. I think we've done far enough. Because Ricky's like, hey, let's bet a hundred bucks. Freddie's like, we don't have a hundred dollars. And Rick's like, don't worry about it. Once we win, we'll have the money. He's getting confident. You win five times, you get confident. One more. He's clearly, slowly getting addicted He's won five times, no losses. Of course, you're going to be confident. Like, one more time, let's do this. However, I thought Derek was going to be, yeah, let's go for it. We keep, we're on a winning streak here, right? Let's keep going forward until, you know, something happens. But Derek is smart here. 
he sees this as a, hey, let's stop while we're ahead. I don't feel right about this. However, Ricky is confident. Like, well, my computer program says this on the readout. Between the Colts and the Jets, I'm placing the bet on the duck phone. Now, the thing is with me and Jeremy, we don't like to gamble. A couple of times we went to a casino. I think the last time we were coming back from, um, I think it was Traverse City, and we just happened to, like, hey, there's Little River Casino we've never been before. Why don't we just go there? I mean, I had, like, maybe less than $10. <laughs> and I was like, let's see. Those slot machines, they suck up your money in a heartbeat. Even the, like, the le- the ones that are, like, maybe 50 or 25 cents, it's like, well, I was here for less than 10 minutes, I guess we can go now. But Jeremy's not into that. I actually remember the one time, um, we had went to the one casino, and I actually played craps, but then again, I didn't know a dang thing about it, so I'm like, can you explain it to me? And the lady looked at me like I was a moron. I still didn't get it, so all I got from him was like, oh, you throw the dice and it has to hit the back wall or something like that? Okay. I wanted to say I'd played it at least once, even if I didn't understand it. See, I know when to stop and walk away. Like, eh, I'm not really winning anything, but I went through that $8 in like five, seriously, I went through that in like five minutes. Like, okay, we can go. Jeremy didn't even really want to be there anyway. He's like, I guess we can stop. I'm like, but I, we've never been to this. It's so dark. And it was right around dinner time. And Jeremy's like, well, we could always just, you know, have dinner here. We look at the price. It's like 30 plus dollars per person. And we look at each other like, mm, we're not eating here. How good is that food really going to be? So on Ricky's computer screen, you got the Colts in blue, the Jets in green. We have, let's see, injuries, field, daily odds, win-loss, penalties, points, minus three injuries for the Colts, plus four injuries for the Jets, uh, field plus one, minus one for the Jets, daily odds, Plus one for the Colts, plus one for the Jets, win-loss, plus three for the Colts, plus eight for the Jets, penalties, minus one for the Colts, plus one for the Jets, points, zero to Colts, and plus nine to the Jets. Kevin Arnold's favorite team from the Wonder Years. He was always wearing that Jets jacket for the first three seasons of the Wonder Years, and eventually he outgrew that. Oh! 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 Let's drop that nickname, Rick. Because he's on the phone with Trout. Says, hey, I want 100 bucks on this game. Oh, and by the way, this is... And he always gets that smarmy, suave look on his face as he's saying the Ricker. Like, who are you impressing, buddy? You came up with that nickname. And I, I, I really don't like it. Please come up with something else. Writers, give him a different nickname. Please tell me he, he stops this at the end of season two, because I can't. I just can't anymore. Oh, hello, Trout. I want the Jets for 100 bucks. <laughs> oh, this is... 
the Ricker. <laughs> All right, in the next scene, Ricky is there with Dad and Kate, who they are just chilling on that chase lounge, snuggled up. There's a bowl of popcorn on uh, Edward's lap, and they're eating from it. Edward and Kate both have their feet up on the coffee table. Looks like, um, Kate looks like she's in her, is she in her stocking feet? And, and of course, Ricky has got to stand right there. Like, oh my gosh, let me stand closer. <clears throat> Maybe they'll win. This is probably, is this the first time we've seen that a TV is actually set up in this living room? It looks like, what do they got? They got a, um, oh, is that like a, it's like a horse-drawn carriage with a something or other on it. It's Alright, let's play this clip. Let's find out. Are the Colts gonna win or the Jets gonna win? Is Ricky gonna be in deep for a hundred dang dollars? Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. Do not follow in Dorothy Spornak's gambling addiction shoes from the Golden Girls. She had it bad. Big time. Tackle him! Tackle him! Relax, son. You used up more energy than the players. I can't help but that. The Jets just have to win this game. It's in the bag, Rick. There's only 40 seconds to go. The Jets are up by two. That's not enough, Dad. They have to win by four. Mm-hmm. Old clock. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh... That's when Revenge of the John Frog people comes on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, now all the quarterback has to do is run out the clock. Fall down, Tom. No, don't tell him that. They got a new field goal. Where's the kicker? Where's the kicker? Get up, get up. I told you, he's going to run out the clock. He's not getting up. So, Ricky is just right up, practically right in front of the screen. He is just all of his energy and emotions like, And Edward is looking at him like, Son, please, you have more energy. You're using more energy and you're screaming than the players are actually using to win the game. And Ricky is really feeling the pinch now. He's like, I can't help it, Dad. The Jets have to win this game. And Edward's like, they will, son. Just relax. Apparently, there's only 40 seconds left of this game. The Jets are up by two. And, of course, Ricky's like, that's not enough. Apparently, according to this layout that he had on his computer screen, they got to be up by more than that, I'm guessing, right? What was it? What was that readout? Nine? Oh, they gotta win by four. I'm sorry. And him, like, no, they gotta win by four. Edward and Kate look at Ricky like, what are you talking about? The signs are right there, you two. Something's going on. Of course, Ricky is kind of saves himself here like, oh, uh, I mean four o'clock. Um, Revenge of the uh, Giant Frog People is uh, gonna be on. I think that's a sequel to Attack of the Giant Frog People. Oh, I see Phil in the background. He's dressed like a farmer with the overalls and the flannel long sleeve shirt. So there's a fall. According to Kate, there's a fumble and the Jets have the ball. Ricky looks to the heavens or the ceiling and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. So Edward's kind of narrating the play here. All the quarterback has to do is run out the clock, 
saying, all right, fall down, fall down. And Ricky's like, no, no. We got to get a field goal, apparently, um, according to Ricky's uh, play layout for his, uh, his bet there. And you hear the crowd from the TV counting down from 10. And Ricky's like, get up, get up, get up. He's not getting up. And Edward's like, buddy, I told you, he's got to run off the clock. Like, Ugh. See, Kate and Edward are so into this game. They're so hyper-focused into this game. They are not seeing those signs like, something is with your son. He's too invested like a gambler would be invested. And like, no, he's got to this. And it's supposed to happen this way. He's blah, 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 blah. Someone's going to come and break my legs. Oh, Ever throws this in as he turns the TV off. Like, you know what? I almost made a bet with Jenkins for this game, but I'm glad that I didn't. <laughs> Throw that in your face, Rick. Whoa. You know, I almost made a bet with Jenkins on this game. Sure glad I didn't. I would have been out of buck. <laughs> yeah, and Edward knows to bet low. He bet a dollar. Like, I would have been out a dollar. And Rick just glares at him. It's like, buddy, you should have followed in your dead footsteps with making low bets. Why would you make them so... He got confident. Those five wins. He's like, oh, we got nothing to lose here. We've won five times. Let's shoot for the moon. Now Rick's at the desk out in the living room and it looks like he is raiding his it better be his uh his little money bank there i mean is it a leprechaun or a clown or a gnome i can't tell it's the rca dog in the background apparently um the money bank the little money bank it's okay it's a clown it's a clown right it's kind of painted on red face like a little line of red across its Lips and nose, so it's got to be a clown. And his name is Bernie. And Ricky's like, I'm sorry, Bernie, but I gotta break you open. It's a matter of life. Is there really a hundred bucks in there? I'm sorry, Bernie. <laughs> Rick, what are you doing? Oh, uh, well, I just stopped. I know. You're looking for more coins for our collection, aren't you? <laughs> well, I can certainly use coins, Dad. Lots of them. Well, it's great to see that you're so interested in our hobby, son. Give us something we can do together. Makes me feel very close to you. Does it make you feel like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're so into it. Well, I'm off. I've got a board meeting at Eddie Toys. I'll see you. Bye. Derek. Amazing, sir. How could you possibly have known that I was about to knock? He didn't. If he had, he wouldn't have opened the door at all. Oh, sir, please say it isn't so. <laughs> it's getting awfully late. I'll see you. So, Ricky 
takes a hammer and smashes in Bernie's head to get all the coins. Edward comes out of the library with his briefcase. He's on his way to a board meeting. And it's like, oh, Rick, what are you doing? Oh, let me guess. You're looking for more coins for our collection. And Ricky's like, yeah, sure, Dad. I, I need a lot of coins. And Edward mentions how, you know, I really like that we have this in common, that we, this is something we could do and enjoy together. And, of course, Ricky's just distracted, trying to find, you know, enough, you know, a hundred, he's not going to find $100 worth of coins in that little bit of change that is on that desk. He's just not. Of course, Edward goes to open the door. Who's there? Arm raised, ready to knock. But Derek, and he's got a camera around his neck. So he must have known that Rick lost and he wants to take a picture of Rick's defeated look or expression for posterity purposes. But Derek's like, oh, sir, how did you know I was going to knock? And we shoot over to Ricky where he's like, Derek, please. If my dad knew it was you, he would not have opened the door. And Derek's like, oh, sir, say it isn't so. And Edward just looks at Derek. Remember, he's wise now to Derek because of when Derek kissed Kate's hand and kind of flirted with her. And he's looking at Derek like, I remember what you did and how you flirted with my girlfriend. So he's like, oh, you know what? I gotta go by. How's it going, Rick? But Derek, go chase yourself. <laughs> oh, you're upset. And I don't blame you. After all, you did ignore my timely advice and went ahead and made a foolish bet. It's only natural that your irritation would be reflected upon me, the one who knew when to get out. <laughs> you're right, Derek. He did know when to get out. Let's see if you can do it again. <laughs> Ooh, testy. I'd be happy to loan you some money, but uh, I spent it all on this new camera. In fact, it's the very same camera that you wanted to buy. Ironic, huh? <laughs> Derek, millions of years ago, mankind crawled out of the slime. Do you want to join the party? <laughs> Hello? Uh, hi, Trout. <laughs> How's it going? And how's Mrs. Trout? <laughs> I gotta hear this. Listen, uh, Stratton, <laughs> I've been real patient with you. Because you're a valued customer and a youth. <laughs> I appreciate that, sir. Good. I just don't have the money yet. Uh-oh. Now I'm afraid the uh, conversation segues to the subject of your health. <laughs> My health? Yeah. You leave me no alternative but to uh, send my vice president in charge of collecting. A gentleman by the name of Payne. <laughs> Ouch. Is that pain like in Thomas Paine? 
Oh, that's pain, like an excruciating pain. Hey, listen, buddy, you don't scare my friend here, Rick. Uh, yes, you do. Listen, Rick, he can't do anything to you. Legally, that bet can't be collected because gambling's against the law. Whoa, 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 whoa. If I may interject, laws are like bones. They're made to be broken. Just don't help me. Uh, Mr. Trout, sir, there's no need to send Mr. Payne, sir. I just need a few more days to get the money I owe you, sir. Well, I'm in a generous mood. I'll give you an hour. Oh, an hour, but... Well, Rick, what can I say other than, well, you're in it now, aren't you, buddy? Dara told you, like, hey, you should have taken my advice. You should have walked away. He knew when to walk away from this bet. And, of course, Derek has that camera because that's the camera that Ricky was eyeing with his winnings, what he wanted to use to get it. So Derek just got that camera to throw that basically in Rick's face. The phone rings. It's Trout. Rick tries to make friendly conversation. How's Mrs. Trout? How you doing? So, looks like Trout's been generous. You know, he's given Rick as much time as he can. No more time. I'm concerned about your health, but not really, because I'm going to send someone over to collect. If you don't give me my money in an hour. Of course, Derek's going to open his big mouth like, oh, see, Trout, Rick here isn't afraid of you. And Rick, he's like, turns the chair around that Derek's sitting in like, you, let me take care of this. Uh, Mr. Trout, look, I'm, I'm sorry, uh... Excuse my friend. Because Derek's like, well, seeing as it's illegal to gamble, the guy cannot collect on your bet. So that just irritates Trout and says, all right, Stratton, you got an hour. That's as much as I'm going to give you. That's me being generous. Or else I send out Mr. Payne to break your legs. I love how he calls him a ute. <laughs> like uh, Joe Pesci from My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> Two utes. <laughs> This is interesting here with how when they put Trout on speaker, you see in the upper right-hand corner, this guy, this tough, bookie guy who looks like he probably could break someone's legs. He's sitting in front of what looks like a, a bookie schedule for uh, different stats and spreads or whatever however you want to call them so i'm going to play this clip oh man i'm in big trouble <laughs> yeah hey rick <laughs> jerk what are you doing oh, this will give the plastic surgeon something to work with <laughs> So Derek, of course, uses the camera to take Ricky's picture, and he's like, what are you doing, Derek? And Derek's like, well, I figured this will give the plastic surgeon plenty to be able to work with when pain comes along and breaks your face. And, of course, Ricky chases Derek out the French doors, and then he paces for a minute in front of the desk, made up his mind, 
the decision to take that coin, that three-legged buffalo coin that's supposedly worth $150 and use that to pay the bookie. Now, you know these coins mean a lot to Edward. He's probably been collecting them since he was a young boy himself. Ricky goes into the office, grabs the coin book, takes the coin out. He's undecided. He feels, you know, this is wrong. I'm just going to put it back. He goes to make the motion to put it back in its little felt covering. But he's like, no, I need to do this. I'm in too deep. Mind you, Kate's not there. Edward's at a board meeting for Eddie's toys. So Ricky is kind of in a jam here. So Ricky apologizes to the Mr. Buffalo Nichols. Like, I'm sorry, Mr. Buffalo, it's your leg or mine. I'm sorry, Mr. Buffalo. It's either your leg or mine. So Ricky looks like he's still dressed. He's in his room in the dark. He's probably already traded that coin in and paid off the bookie. And he's most likely, yeah, he's got a guilty conscience. His dad has no idea that this coin is even gone. So Edward comes in, turns the light on and says, Son, what are you doing sitting in the dark? And Ricky is like, oh, well, Dad, you know how puberty is. Like, uh Buddy, you're only 13. You haven't reached that point yet where you're moody and angsty. So I'm going to play this clip as Edward shows Ricky. They're called proof sets. They got them in the mail from the U.S. Mint to go with the uh, the coin collection. And Ricky, of course, is like, Ugh. And Edward's like, hey, buddy, come on. Put a smile on that face. And Ricky's like, Ugh. Oh boy, this is not going to be good. Son? Yeah, Dad? <laughs> what were you doing sitting in the dark? Well, I guess I'm just feeling all down, that's all. You know how puberty is. <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster, Dad. Well, I got something to cheer you up. We received in today's mail from the United States Mint. Our long-awaited <laughs> proof sets. Hey, come on, let's see a smile. Hey, come on, let's look at these babies, huh? This ain't Rick. These coins have never been touched by human hands. <laughs> and over the years, the value of these coins is going to skyrocket. That's... Really great. You know what I'd like us to look at right now? What? <laughs> the star of our collection, the three-legged buffalo nickel. No! <laughs> Why not? Dad, you don't look at a coin like that every day. You don't? Saying, but believe me, I'm never going to get tired looking at this little honey. 
there it is. How is old Mr. Three Legs? Looks great. <laughs> you know what I love about this nickel? Who knows where it's been? Could have been kicking around for years. From sleazy bar, phone booth, gumball machine. Poor fella could have spent years trapped inside some dark and lonely sofa. <laughs> but now we've given it a home. Doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah. You know, I know this may sound a little corny, but I guess what's really special about this nickel to me is that you and I discovered it together. Doesn't that choke you up a little bit? Yeah. So I guess they got some other coins that eventually hopefully will appreciate in value down the road. And Edward wants to look at the three-legged buffalo coin. Ricky puts his hands on top of the um, the coin book. Like, no, Dad, we shouldn't look at it. You know, I mean, if you look at it every day, you're like, Mwah. but if uh, you just hold off for a bit and then sometimes you look at it once in a great while, you really appreciate it more. And Edward actually pulls the coin out. And I'm thinking, how? What? I thought, we'll learn it what the heck happened with this coin. As Edward is just kind of figuring, you know, what sleazy bars was this coin found at, and then traveling from, like, gumball machines to pay phones, and just, like, how... You know, we never really think about, like, where was this $5 bill? Like, how did it eventually get to me? What other places had it been? And stuff like that. We don't really think about that kind of thing. Because if you think about it, you're thinking, how many hands did this pass through? How many germs did it accumulate? It's like, it almost makes you want to just grab a big bottle of Purell and just sanitize the heck out of your hands until the Purell eats away at your flesh and then you are purely clean of all germs or something. <laughs> but what Edward really likes about this coin is the fact that he and Ricky discovered it together. And I think finally now Edward is finally keen into Ricky's lack of enthusiasm over this coin. Hey, let's not get carried away. Dad, that's not a three-legged buffalo nickel. It's a four-legged buffalo nickel. I gave it a legotomy. What? See, I took a file and scraped one of the legs off. And I've been betting on football games with a bookie. A bookie? And I had a big bet on that jet ski, and I lost $100. <laughs> A hundred dollars? So I sold out three like a buffalo nickel to a coin dealer and then I paid up the bookie. Because if I didn't, he was going to send a big guy over who was going to turn me into kibbles and bits. <laughs> well, Rick, why didn't you come to me first before you stole our nickel? Well, in my mind, I'm just borrowing it, Dad. See, I planned to save up and then I'd buy it back from the coin dealer and then I'd switch it with the fake buffalo nickel and you never know what happened. <sighs> All right, just calm down. <laughs> I am Carl. I'm talking to me. Uh-oh. All right, first of all, 
You might have been able to execute this nefarious plan of yours. You actually might just have gotten away with it. So, I'm darn proud that you admitted to me what you did. That is a point in my favor. <laughs> However. Uh-oh. <laughs> what you did was very, very wrong. One, you gambled. Two, you gambled with a bookie. Three, you gambled more than you could afford to lose. Four, you stole. And five, you tried to cover it up. The fact that you did all those things makes me pretty darn angry. I don't blame you, Dad. Ever since I switched those coins, I've been feeling like... pig dirt. <laughs> That's an accurate yet colorful description of guilt. I hate feeling guilty. Because once you start feeling guilty, it doesn't go away. I mean, it doesn't let you have a good time. Like at dessert tonight, I found myself thinking, I don't deserve this boysenberry pie. I'm a low-down, father-fooling buffalo leg scraper. sorry, Dad. I'm really sorry. Well, you'll have gotten something out of all this. The next time you start to do something you know is wrong, you stop. Remember what you feel like right now. Don't worry, Dad. I never want to feel like this again. From now on, I'm going straight. Good. Okay, Ricky had me fooled. I'm like, okay, what? He's feeling guilty, and yet Edward's looking at this coin, but apparently he's not looking at it close enough. Although, I mean, it does look like a three-legged buffalo nickel. However, Ricky, remember that trick? He had read in the book that there are some shysters out there that were trying to, like, fool, like, coin collectors by scraping one of the buffalo legs off to make it look like it's an original three-legged buffalo nickel. Ricky took it upon himself to do that, fooled his dad. Like, he, Edward had no idea. And then Ricky's guilt just, he can't hold it in any longer. He says, Dad, that's not a real buffalo nickel. Uh, a real three-legged buffalo nickel. It's a fake. Um, I just scratched it off. And the real one is now with a coin collector that I had given it to because I needed to pay off a bookie. Because I bet $100 on a that Jets-Colts game and that I lost. And I didn't want the bookie to turn me into kibbles and bits. So, Edward takes out that mag magnifying glass, holds it up to his eye like he's really, like, looking at his kid in surprise, like, excuse me, you did what now? Edward is very angry, to the point where that vein in his neck is pulsating and throbbing, as in, I'm trying to keep my anger in check so I don't wallop you across the room. 
So, as Ricky's breaking the news of what Edward is holding is not a real, authentic, genuine, three-legged buffalo nickel, you can tell he's getting a little sniffly as he's breaking this news to his father. He knows that he's in deep. He can't hold this in any longer. Oh, he used a file! Like, probably one of those nail files to scrape it down. And then Edward takes the magnifying glass and really looks at it. And then he turns to look at Rick with the magnifying glass up to his eye. And then he breaks the news that he has been betting on football games with a bookie. And Edward's like, a bookie? And he's like, probably thinking, like, son, how do you know to try to get in touch with a bookie? I'm like, okay, Rick, you, you and Derek... This isn't a good match here. You need to not be friends with him anymore. Granted, of course, Rick is not going to sell out his friend. Friend in uh, quotes there. And Rick lets it drop. He lost 100 bucks in that Colts-Jets game. And Edward is even more floored. It's like, $100? It's like, that's $1984-$100. That's not, I just went shopping on Amazon.com and spent $100, like, with one click. This is $100 that probably, back in the day, that's what you made in two weeks. Or a week, depending on the type of job you had. That's, like, probably, what, two weeks of groceries? Maybe two and a half? for maybe 1984 you can't even go to the grocery store and not spend over a hundred dollars on groceries i mean think about it even you're hardly gonna get anything for even 25 or 50 dollars definitely not for a week's worth of groceries and edward is angry it's like brick why didn't you come to me before you stole our nickel why didn't you tell me this you got in deep you should have known you could have come to me at any time and i would help you solve this problem Of course, Ricky justifies his actions by saying, well, in my mind, Dad, I was just borrowing it. Because eventually he thought he would be able to get the money to buy it back from the coin dealer. Ricky, and how much do you think that this coin dealer is going to charge you to get it back? It's definitely not going to be whatever you got for it. It's probably going to be more than twice that. That guy probably thinks, I'm sitting on a gold mine. I could triple whatever this is worth. How many three-legged buffalo nickel coins are there in the world? I'm going to look that up and see if there's... All right, so what I'm seeing, the highest price realized for this major variety slash error was 97750 for one of the... NGCMS67. One of the PCGSMS66 is sold in 2005 for $86,250. $86, Other high grade examples have sold for lower amounts with MS65 coins, usually selling for approximately 30,000 to 40,000. Circulated examples of this issue are more easily found, and depending on the grade, can be found priced under the thousand dollar level okay cool oh he was going to plan to save up the money to get this coin back 
Buddy, by the time you save up the money you need to get that coin back, you wouldn't even be able to afford it. And the fact that, what's to say that coin is even going to be there anymore once you do get the money? Oh, he was hoping he'd be able to save up money and enough time to swap out the fake buffalo nickel for the, the coin dealer one. In hopes that his dad would never know the difference. And you're telling me, Rick, that your dad is just not going to go and look through these coins again? Like you were betting that that's probably why he's like, no, dad, don't look at it. Don't look at it. And Edward is just, he is really wringing his, his hands like he's really angry. He can't even look at Ricky right now. But then, of course, he lists Ricky's transgressions on his fingers. And he's like, all right, just calm down. And... Ricky's like, I am calm. And Edward's like, I was talking to myself. Which, how funny. Remember the Punky Brewster episode season from season two? Christmas shoplifting where Mike gets in jail because Punky and he accidentally, she took his bag and he got the bag with the cashmere um, scarf for Henry. Yeah. And then he's like, she goes to visit him while he's locked up. He's like, just, alright, just calm down. And she's like, okay. And he's like, I was talking to myself. Because at this point in um, January of 84, Punky Brewster has not even happened yet. It will be like eight months before that show comes on the air. And another thing that Ricky says, I feel like pig dirt. Alan said that in season two, the gift episode, when he was calling Linda the R word and she ran out in tears, Mike calls Alan up, says, you do not say that in my classroom. Not to mention, now you have till 8 a.m. tomorrow morning to do a paper on the Special Olympics and read it in front of the class. And of course, little Alan is like, but Alan, or Mike, I don't read so good out loud. And also, I feel like pig dirt. So that seems like, I mean, clearly the writers on this show were also on Punky Brewster. So it seems like some of these, which could be coincidental that they're using them in Punky Brewster. But, but sometimes it's like, hey, we use this here. We probably could use this here. Or it's, it's just a simple phrase. But pig dirt, I've only heard it in Punky Brewster and now this. And of course, Ricky's like, uh-oh, he says that twice, like, uh-oh, like, I'm really in it now, like, yeah, you are, bud. So, at first, Edward mentions, like, hey, you actually could have gotten away with this if you hadn't said anything, and I, but I am proud that you did come forward with the truth. And of course, Ricky's like, well, that is a point in my favor as he smiles. He's like, buddy, I would not be smiling. This is not going to go good for you. However, Edward tells him, and... Ricky's like, like almost shriveling, shaking in his chair. Like, uh-oh, this isn't good. Like, yeah, there's more. And of course, Edward starts with what you did was very, very wrong. You gambled, you got involved with a bookie, you lost $100. Oh, Edward says you gambled more than you could afford to lose. Of course, before that was, you got involved with a bookie. And of course... Number four is you stole. If you want to call it borrowing in your mind, no. It was flat out stealing. And of course, the last one, number five, you tried to cover it up. I'm surprised we didn't get a... I'm very disappointed in you because that 
this situation calls for a, I'm very disappointed in you. And the fact that now I don't feel I can trust you. And Edward says, you know, I am very angry with you. And of course, Ricky's like, yeah, I, I, I understand. And ever since I switched those coins, I've just been feeling terrible. Even tonight at dessert, I'm like, do I really deserve to have this boysenberry pie? I want boysenberry pie. Uh, but yeah, the guilt was setting in. I've done stuff as a kid where I felt that guilt setting in. Where everything you eat like tastes like sawdust and it's just you can't enjoy yourself. You want to know what I was thinking when I was trying to enjoy the Dumbo movie? I was thinking my house is burning down because I forgot to unplug that Vic's warming steamer. Jeremy always said, now remember to unplug, I will fill it up for you, but it's your job to remember to unplug it in the morning. And of course, I kept racking my brain. Did I, I always unplug it when I wake up in the morning? Did I? I must have. If I hadn't, Jeremy would have said something. He would have seen it. But no, when we got home, he's like, oh, by the way, you didn't unplug that. And I told him, I'm like, that has been in my mind all day. It's like, I was envisioning our house up in flames. I was that freaked out and that kind of sucks because that made me, I enjoyed the movie, but think about it. I could have enjoyed it a lot more if I wasn't thinking our house was burning down because I forgot to unplug something. Of course, Ricky says, I'm sorry, dad. I'm really, really sorry. There are tears. His eyes are really glassy with tears. I thought that Edward was going to pull a Danny Tanner and say, well, I'm sorry too. Because it seems like in those lessons where he sits down with his, especially DJ, where he's like, well, I'm sorry too. Because that maybe this is my fault or this or that. Like the one with the horse, when she brings the horse home without his permission, she's been lying for the last two weeks saying where she's been. And he says, well, I have a real problem because I don't know whether or not I can trust you anymore. And I really thought we were going to get something to that effect of saying, Rick, I don't trust you. We don't get anything about him being grounded unless after the credits, we get an added scene of him saying, Ricky, I'm going to ground you. You're going to have to work back to earn my trust. So Edward says, the bright side of this is that or the thing that you got out of this of course is that you knew what you were doing is wrong and the next time you get in deep or you come close think back on how you're feeling now in this situation and I would have said and more importantly the minute you think you're doing something wrong that you could end up like this come and talk to me and I will help you sort this out don't wait until you're so far deep that you can't see out of the hole that you're in. So, Ricky's like, Dad, don't worry, okay? I don't ever want to feel like this again. From now on, I'm flying straight. Like, I'm going to be straight arrow. Keep my nose clean. We don't get... You know what? We'll just say that I'm sure that Edward grounded Ricky. <laughs> we know he can do it, too, because he's done it. Uh, was Is it season one, episode two, where he grounded Ricky... For his acting out and throwing a balloon on the mailman and stuff like that. And he was also grounded for watching that adult movie. So that is the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd say for my train rating, I am going to rate this 
I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. The only reason I'm knocking off a, a point is for the fact that when they're watching that game, and they... Edward is kind of noticing little, like, Ricky is so, like, no, he's got to lose by this much, or they got to get this many points, or this, 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 this. And R Edward keeps side-eyeing Ricky, like, okay, you're a little too involved in this. Your enthusiasm is more than what the players are putting into the game themselves. So, I'm not going to point off, because technically, that was a uh, more than one red flag that you should have said, okay, Rick, what is going on? You need to tell me what is going on. Even when he saw the remains of Bernie, the the clown piggy bank, the, the clown bank, shattered on his desk, he should have said, okay, Rick, we have to have a talk because what I saw the other day and now seeing this, there's something going on that you're not telling me. And I get the feeling that you are in some serious trouble. In fact, I know you're in serious trouble because I'm going to ground you for whatever this is. Because it's clearly not good. But the other things I liked, um, I liked, I liked when Derek had come in and Ricky had mentioned like, oh, if my dad had known it was you at the door, he wouldn't have opened it. And Derek's like, oh, sir, tell me that's not true. And the way Edward just kind of looks at him, like... Like, he knows what Derek's about now. And he just, instead of responding, he turns to his watch like, oh, I gotta go, bye. <laughs> I liked the computer program that Rick had invented. I thought that was pretty cool, even though he used it for illegal purposes. And I liked that Edward and Rick were bonding over those coins in the beginning of the movie. Um, what was the other? Oh, um, the talk, of course, at the end where... Ricky breaks down, well, kind of breaks down and says, I'm sorry, Dad, what you're looking at is not the real three-legged buffalo nickel. And it's just like, they didn't hug or anything, but it's, it seems like almost every other episode seems to end like that. So, uh, as far as my silver spoonful for this episode, I'm going to go with kids... There are a lot of ways that you can get into trouble online. There's online gambling. You can get yourself in deep. You don't have to write a computer program to tell you how to place bets and stuff. The point is, you're not old enough to be doing that. That is really something you need to stay away from until you're of age. Even if when you are of legal age to gamble. Don't... It's supposed to be something for fun. It's not something that needs to be habit-forming. Or it, it can... That's the thing. Gambling is not just habit-forming. It's an addiction. And a serious addiction. People have lost their houses. They've lost their jobs. They've run up so much credit that they can't even see through it. Seriously, do not get involved in something like that. Or if you are, there of course are numbers, places you can go, Gamblers Anonymous, stuff like that to help you deal with this. And of course, I would like to say, what's that TV movie, Delta Burke, um, Going for Broke? I think that's available on YouTube. That is a perfect example of an adult just gambling and then it gets too far. First it's for fun and then she's getting too deep and she loses her house, 
her husband leaves her, her kids are taken away, she winds up in jail. It's a big, big deal. That's why I'm happy that I'm not big into gambling. Jeremy's not big into gambling. That's just, that's not our thing. We're not into it. Alright, so I am going to be doing an, another episode this week just because Sunday, next week I am kind of busy with other other things coming up. So I'm really not going to have time to be doing two episodes. So you're going to get three this week. So season two, episode 11, we get the return of Ricky's mother, Evelyn. An uneasy writer. This is an episode where Ricky's going to play one parent against the other. When Ricky's mother comes to visit, he manipulates her into buying a dirt bike for him after Edward decides against it. Ricky's resentment over Kate's advice on the topic also confuses the matter of her relationship with Edward. Well, she's just dating Edward. She's not married to him. She really does not have a say in anything in regards to Ricky's well-being. That is strictly between his father and and his mother. But then again, what child of divorce hasn't tried to play one parent against another? Or even, it doesn't even have to be a child of divorce. It could be any child saying, dad said no, I will go to mom. She's the soft touch. She will let me do this. Or she will work on dad to get him to say yes. And guys, kids, don't do that to your parents. That is just a way... That will lead them to an argument. And trust me, the last thing you want to do is have your parents fighting. No kid needs or wants to be around that. So that is going to be later this week. More than likely, it's probably going to be on Thursday. So, alright. Have a great afternoon. I think I'm going to try and leave in the description a number for Gamblers Anonymous. Or any of the hotline numbers. So if there are people out there that need to get help, they can get help. Alright. Have a good day, everybody.